You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! What's going on guys and welcome to another edition of the H&K Video Game Experience. Here with you as always is Clearfire and my partner in crime, Hollywood Cole. Hollywood Cole, how's it going today, man? Going well, dude. Going very well. Well, that is great to hear. So today we're bringing you a podcast that's out of place. And I'm sorry to say it, we're, we are taking a small break from our series of uh final fantasy 6 which we're still going to record it tomorrow night so you're going to get it timely it's still going to come out but we got some breaking news for you that uh hollywood presented uh to me earlier today and we decided that we've got to lay it down as a podcast and it does relate to destiny somewhat but because it's a bigger picture than that we decided to throw it here with h and k so that way we can get to you the real story behind what we have found out and Hollywood is actually going to bring you the majority of the story today because he actually found this information and brought it to me and I heard a little bit of it and so I'm, I'm excited to see what else he's got to say about this because it sounds like this is some really big big news and it's going to change it possibly could change the way we think about what's happened here recently in the news between Bungie and Activision as you all know Bungie and Activision has just recently split Activision turned all the publishing rights and creative rights over over to, to over to Bungie about Destiny. So right now I want to throw it over to Hollywood and find out what all this information's about because he was really excited and really pumped up about it. So I really want to hear what's going on. So Hollywood, what's going on? So just want to say though, like uh, H&K, when we first started it, you know, if you've been listening for a while, you realize that, you know, we're just two dudes that grew up in the gaming things, uh, gaming industry, or uh Grew up gaming, uh, retro style, right from Nintendo on, and um, just wanted to share some stuff with you. Started it for fun, and it's great. We've started to dig into this video game, the news. You know, I've started to keep with the news more. I've started to kind of try to figure out somehow how these publishers and developers work, just the overall design of video games, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, just because. Well, I mean, I just just by doing this podcast, it's made me more interested in it, and we've started to, f- to find these things to happen into the industry. So uh, naturally, I, I find books on um, things that I want to read about, you know, Nintendo story, Sega story, uh, and I just recently found one called Blood, Sweat, and Pixels. And if you have not read it, it is by Jason Schreier, and he is a uh, news editor at Kotaku, and he... Uh, he wrote this, wrote this book, and he's got the inside scoop on all these different developers and publishers and how this stuff works and the different pitfalls that they can come upon. And so I said, that would be interesting to read. So I started reading it, all right? And as I'm reading it, I come to one page, and it says something about destiny. But then it says in parentheses, to be covered in Chapter 8. And I go, what? Destiny's story is actually in this book. So I go and I read this and figure this out out and I know exactly what has happened to Destiny and so you've heard us talk about it um, over and over about Activision the evil Activision and their plan to milk as much money they're money hungry and the games need to be developed by gamers and not by chairman of the board and it said and all this kind of stuff so I'm here to set the record straight now so a lot of people in these different types of podcasts and YouTube no, nobody on YouTube is talking about what I'm about to tell you exactly what happened from the Bungie developer's mouth from even from one person in particular in Activision just says a little blurb about it um, 
And so we're going to go back and set the record straight. And that's what we want you guys to come to H&K for the truth data, because we will, if we are wrong, we will admit it. Now, uh, that being said, we still stick to our core competency of how these uh, types of games with the uh, microtransactions and the different ways, these, these, these models of business we have to keep those at bay. So we, so just when I tell you this, it's going to be a little bit different than what you've heard from us or heard from YouTube or whatever, but we still are doing well with uh, trying to keep that, you know, away from our game industry. So first of all, we need to talk a little bit about how all these things work. So a publisher versus a developer. So um, let's see, a, a developer obviously develops the game. The publisher funds it is essentially all it is. So the guy that's producing the game, the publishers, they can provide deadlines. Hey, you got to meet, you know, this deadline. And so this is, they're always at the artist versus the money guy. They're always at odds. It's just common in um, video games, right? So the production, the producers, Activision, Microsoft, Nintendo, who Sony, all these different producers, um, and then you get the developers. You know, Bungie. Uh, Blizzard's actually a unique one because I think they kind of do their own de- production and development. So these some of these mm-hmm. companies can stand on their own, right? That, can you guess how much? So the average for, per day to run a gaming studio, guess how much per person per month it is, not per day, sorry, per month. The average known, known figure. 40000 per person. No, it's 10000 per person. Okay. So 10000 per person. So if you got That's a team not- of... Well, if it's you got a team terrible. of thirty, shoot, yeah, thirty yeah. people for one month, it's going to cost you three hundred grand. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, this is not for marketing. This is not for any of that. So this is where they have to get money somehow from these big producers, right? Yeah. So there's different well, I mean, ways. I mean, you got to pay your people. You got to pay your stuff. So I mean, yeah, somebody's leaving the lights on, the whole mm-hmm. food, whatever. I mean, whatever yeah. they want. I don't guess they pay for their food, but you know, it's just the average stuff to, to keep it on. So it could be more, could be less. So how long does three years for development, you know, of a game? <laughs> yeah, like a team, and these teams have hundreds you, of yeah. people. A hundred people is a million dollars a a month, you know. So, yeah. um, is that right? Am I doing my math right? Yeah, hundred people. Yeah, ten thousand. Yeah, a million dollars a month. So, um, so there's ways that they. So when eight, eight months of a game, you need at least eight million dollars. And dude, eight months is not enough. From what I'm learning here, is not enough to get anything right done. That's not. I mean, when you're looking at what all you have to do graphics-wise and the design, I mean, because you've got to storyboard, you got to graphic design these characters, you've got to animate them, then you've got to start doing all the digital effects. I mean, it's just so much. There's a lot to do a game because I've been reading a little bit about game design and development as well. And eight months is probably enough time to get your storyboard together and some of your basic graphics and your some first of your, your first iterations of what everything's going to look like. And that's pretty rough on a game. You know, that's... Well, a lot of times, you know, that kind of stuff, get, that's, say 99% of the game gets complete and that last 1% is the hardest 1% and that's working the bugs out. Mm-hmm. You know, and people want... It's artists, you know, so you got a guy developing a, um, an environment and he wants... It's his job to, to develop uh, the main city or something or, you know, whatever, the courtyard. So he's developing it as best way he can what he thinks should be here, should be here, whatever. And then he's got to work out the bugs. Well, the bugs are not fun, you know, so I'm going to get it 90% there. And then, um, for that last little 10%, 
of uh, working out the bugs and stuff. It's not very fun. So wait a minute. While I'm in the process of doing that, I'm like, oh, it'd be really cool if there's a tree right here. Or I saw this cool thing on a movie. I think that should be right. You know what I'm saying? So they all work on that. That's why at the, at the end of every uh, gaming development cycle, so let's say the game's going to come out May 2019 or whatever. So starting in about April or March, they call it the crunch. And that's when they're there really, you know, for you know 20 hours a day for whatever. And they're just hacking out all these bugs and stuff. And, they, and every... You know, there's a there's a mixed review on that. Some people say, well, that's crappy management. That's you know, poor planning or whatever. They should have, if you really did it right, you wouldn't have to crunch. But it's just artists, man. You know, just like I just told you with the with the yeah. design, they're not gonna crunch. They're not gonna work out all the bugs until it's the last minute to where they have no can't develop anything new. So it's mm-hmm. time to 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 crunch this out because things are always they're just like us, man. We talk about hey, it'd be cool if we did this. It'd be cool if we did that. And they're going to develop the game as it evolves, you know, with their own thoughts and stuff. So uh, different ways to get a game paid for, have a producer bite off on it, or, you know, have, uh, it's like I said, Activision, etc. And some of them can be kickstarted. Those are real hard. But I mean, if you have a game like well, we always talk about SOCOM 2, mm-hmm. there's enough people that can put money in SOCOM 2, which still has to be a ton of money. Um, yeah. Then... You know, it can get done that way. You can pick if you had enough money, you could pick a developer and say, "Hey, we'll yeah. pay you to do that." Of course, they need to be into it too because they're gonna, exactly. It's gonna well, be I mean, it has, it has it has it has to fit their um, uh, I guess their market because if they're you know if it's like EA, EA is known for a lot of sports games <clears throat> and the Battlefront series. If it's outside of that, it's going to be kind of difficult for EA to push that. You know, just like with Activision, if they step outside of their boundaries of the type of games they push out, then it's going to be a little more difficult because people are going to be like, "What's EA doing that? What's uh, well, keep in mind, you're not you're talking to you're talking a little bit of apples and oranges here because EA and Activision are just publishers; they don't develop anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so what they're I'm just going to pay for some. So you could say, "Hey, we're going to reunite Zipper Interactive." And Zipper, Zipper Interactive is going to develop the game, but Bungie's or uh, Activision is going to fund it. They don't care about. But yeah, Activision would fund it. But I'm just saying, you wouldn't see EA fund something like that. Like you would see them, they're going to try to stick in their realm of stuff that they want to fund. They're going to stick more toward the sports games and their Battlefront style games. They're not going to really go outside of that and fund. They're not going to go. EA's not going to go. Oh well, let me go fund this um, Mario game over here. You know they're not going to do. They're not going to reach well, that. That's, that's, what, that's, what I, that's what I'm saying. They're trying. To, they stay in their little niche market area. So the, they're going to fund whatever they think and they can make the money. So, but what yeah. I'm what I'm getting at is, if you got like you say to produce 2K games, make it you know or not 2K, but uh, somebody that makes a fantasy game, you know, and you just hire them to make a shooter. They're like, dude, we're not really into shooters, but we'll do it for the money. Well, now you don't have their heart and soul into it. It's yeah. probably not going to be that good. That's what I'm. That's what I'm getting at. Um, but you know, sometimes producers would love to bite off on something. You know, we've always been doing sports, and we think that this maybe we can throw our hand to the ring. Look at King, uh, Kingdoms of Al- Alamar, or whatever uh, sword and sorcerer game EA did. You know, they do that all the time. But uh, and. Did they do Shadows of Mordor? I don't. Think, I don't know why it keeps popping in my head. Maybe they did. Uh, okay. Yeah, I don't think so because it uh, Shadows of Mordor. That's uh, God. Is that that's not is Blizzard? It Bioware, but I think it's. Uh, I think that's the developer. Yeah, I don't think uh, I can't remember them being a part of that. So, but anyway, so, so that leads us to what we're here to talk about today, and that is Bungie. So, what happened with Bungie? They were owned by Mike or 
they were their pro- producers were uh, publishers were um, I keep calling it producers. I'm thinking film because it's kind of the same thing. I'm a film guy, but um, the uh, publishers uh, were Microsoft for all the Halo series. So they had a contract to make you know five Halo games. They one, two, and three, and their last two had to be ODST and reach and those are the last two they were contractually contractually obligated obligated to finish obligated <laughs> yeah ob, 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 obligating to finish and um and so they all celebrated yay we're free from uh microsoft now we can do what we want to do well that uh team uh grew, grew from well grew from 30 or 50 people that worked on halo one to now 300 people over the years, right? So that's uh, a lot of mouths to feed. <laughs> a big team now with no direction. All right, they have no publisher telling them when they need to um, when they need to uh, get deadlines and what this needs to look like or whatever the case. By the, so, some people think that's a hamstring, but like I was telling you today, the problem with not having a publisher is that you don't have a publisher telling you which when to do everything. Um, just point of fact, the guy that did Stardew Valley was a solo guy. It took him five years to do it. And uh, so he didn't have anybody giving him his deadlines and all this kind of stuff. His name was Eric Barone. And so guess what? He didn't have anybody giving his deadlines and stuff so they could take all the time he wanted and go back and change whatever he wanted. So that's, you know, some type of freedom. But at the end of it, he was so sick of the game, you know, obviously for five years of heavy programming and whatever. Anyway, so there's different ways they can get developed. Independent games, hey, guess what? They don't have a publisher. So, um, so Bungie was so excited to leave Microsoft and he had a, one of the guys, Jamie Grissomer was one of the top designers on Halo 1, 2, and 3. He was one of the top designers there for those games. And he had a big idea. Let's do an MMO fantasy style, right? Where it's kind of a, not quite an MMO, but more of an action MMO. It's kind of what we see Destiny, except for fantasy. Well, Jason Jones was a Bungie co-founder. And he wanted to do a shooter meets MMO type of game. And so they kind of merged ideas. The CEOs of Bungie's uh, president of Bungie uh, is a guy named, uh, where is he at here? Let's see, Harold Ryan. All right. So they kind of say, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go with uh, Jason's idea of a shooter. All right. So they wanted to do this shooter. This big, elaborate, mammoth-sized project, just, you know, big dreamers. Here's how we're going to do it. So they come up with all this, spend, you know, a year or two in pre-production. So what happens when they finished ODST? That's when they kind of started working on Destiny, Halo ODST. So then they they still had to have a bungee team behind working uh, for Microsoft to create Reach. And then when they finished, they moved over to start working on Destiny, and so on and so forth. And so by the time they got this great idea, you know, on paper to say, hey, well, it's going to be this great shooter meets MMO. It's going to be, there's going to be so much stuff you can do in it. And it's just, you know, this big, big idea. They started, said, cool, we'll do it. Started shopping around for publishers who was going to help pay for it, right? Went to Sony, Microsoft, EA, and even, they even went to Nintendo to see if they would want to bite off on it. Nobody bit off on it. Activision gave them a shot with a, we all know, the 10 year, $500 million contract. As part of the deal, Destiny would would uh, or excuse me, Bungie would get to own the Destiny franchise. So they never gave it back to them. They, that was part of the deal the whole time, is that Bungie would own Destiny. 
Now, listeners, remember that because when you go back and you look at all of the news about Activision and Bungie splitting, it all says that Activision gave back the publishing rights and the creative control back to Bungie for Destiny. So now you're hearing from actual people instead of just these random, you know, because there's nobody ever listed saying that Activision said that they're do- that they're doing this, or Bungie said that they're getting this back. There's never one person pointed out in the news here recently. Yeah, Hollywood said- is pointing to people that actually said that Activision told Bungie that they re- they they retain the rights, and this is written from people with insider insider information. So that's a big red flag right there now. Yep. And so as part of. Uh- like I said, as part of the, they would maintain complete creative control over Destiny. Bungie would. As long as they just met a few milestones. Here's another big big thing that nobody knew. Here's what Activision wanted. Destiny with a, Destiny 1 with a release date of fall 2013, which we knew was going to get pushed. They all do. It's okay. But here's Destiny. Release date fall 2013. The first expansion would come out a year later. Comet is what it was called. They wanted it to be called Comet. Destiny 2 would come out a year later after Comet, and then Comet 2 would come out a year after that, another expansion. So we've now seen those as Destiny, Fallen King, or Taken King, Destiny 2, and then Forsaken. Okay? So that's all they that's all they wanted at that point. That was one of the few milestones they had to meet. Um, so, so let me jump in right there, because okay. that's, that's a perfect place to make another point about the history behind uh, Bungie and Activision um, from everything that Bungie has told us um, coming from their social media people is, is that Bungie, that Activision was putting them under this strenuous timeline. Now think about it, people. If this is what Activision really was laying out that they wanted main game DLC a year later, main game a year after that DLC a year after that, that doesn't sound like a strenuous timeline because you're you're focusing on just major content plugs Bungie was saying that they wanted all of these crazy uh, crazy amounts of DLC dropped in that they couldn't couldn't maintain that if you go right now and you look on the internet and you look up anything about this about Bungie and Activision you're going to find a ton of stuff saying that Bungie said that Activision held them to this crazy timeline and that they were set that they were so unhappy about how much content they were having to push out this right here completely contradicts that. And this actually has backing of people saying it, not just written out saying that Bungie said that they couldn't deal with it. So it's another red flag here. So it's it's, it's starting to get to a point where, because this is me starting to interpret this and starting to take this in, hearing this from Hollywood for the first time. It's like, so it really sounds like Bungie was more of the bad guy and not so much Activision. Now, granted, Activision probably did push for microtransactions and things like that and and, and all that. So, I mean, what what's really going on here behind the, behind the scenes at, between Bungie and Activision? Is it really this battle of the big bad Goliath taking over the David? Or is David really slaying the giant and basically telling us, oh, well, yeah, I've already beat the giant, but it's really, really, really difficult, you know. It's just one of those kind of stories. Every developer in the world is going to say that 
the publisher put strict timelines on us because there's no timeline on their art. And I, re- I mean, that, you got to keep that keep that in mind too. The art, I mean, it truly is the art form. It's gamers that want to develop games, so they want to develop it the best they can. They really do, and they want they want to work on projects. From what I've read here and all these other stories of these different and all of the developers they're going to work on something they're interested in if they're not they're out of there because it is so strenuous i don't ever want to be a developer after reading this ever um they're going to make sure they're passionate about what they're working on so they're never going to have enough time but um remember this just is off the the uh the hotness of halo so everybody's expecting halo to be you know they sold halo to three two three whatever the actual name but you know Bungie's the king of making a shooter so all that fantasy MMO stuff started leaning towards the shooter and it started going more and more like Halo you know because all these guys had just you know they all joined the Bungie team at random times you know some of them joined it after Halo 3 sleep shipped somebody joined it at uh joined when Reach was there so they're excited about working on a Halo so they want to kind of do that and, they, and so the guy Jamie Greshamer sees that all signs are pointing to Halo, as they put it, the, the, the Halo gravity well, and we're all being sucked into it. So we're all going back to Halo. So uh, Grissomer was was kind of tired of. It. He'd seen all he needed to see of Halo. He didn't want to do. He didn't want to do another Halo, right? But he saw that the, the writing on the wall. So he did. But he didn't know how that was going to fit into an MMO, right? He didn't really understand how that's going to fit. So this is important right here. Because he was frustrated in the direction that Destiny was headed. This is the very first signs of what's going on here. So he begins picking fights with other Bungie staff. And at one point, he emailed a list of core design problems that he thought Destiny was going to encounter. Here was the questions that he asked in the email. This is, we're going to come back to this. So it was, how were they going to handle the transition? To, and this is all questions that we have, too. How were they going to handle the transition to next-generation con- consoles without sacrificing cool features just to fit their game on last-gen hardware? All right, grant, valid. How are they going to make content that stayed fresh no matter how many times people replayed it? That's an MMO thing, right? How are you going to do that? A big problem with Destiny now. And perhaps most pivotably, uh, pivot- pivotally... How would they marry the precise shooting of an action game in which your proficiency is based on skill with the treadmill progression of an MMO in which your character's strength is dependent mostly on levels and gear? Great questions. Nobody wanted to answer them because they they don't want to hear that. They want to hear that our idea is going to be great. You know, we don't want to have to answer these questions. I don't know, whatever. They never got the answer because nobody knew what they were. All right. But this is, check this out. Eventually, Bungie's board of directors asked Grishamer to resign. And so he took it as a mark of honor because he made a conscious decision. I don't like this is quite directly out of the book. Quote, this is what he's saying, Grishamer, because I made a conscious decision. I don't like the way things are going. So I'm going to stand up and obstruct things to the point where they're either going to have to change uh, the way they're way they're going or they're going to have to get rid of me. All right. So he wasn't the only one. That's thinking this. In the coming years, a large number of longtime employees, including Vic DeLeon, a senior environmental artist, Adrian Perez, an engineer, Marcus Lito, a creative director on Halo Reach, and Paul Bertoni, that was a design director, would either quit or be forced out. This is by the Bungie Board of Directors. Later, that list would grow to include Bungie's president, Harold Ryan. And it is quoted, as uh, Grishmer is quoted as saying, there was something about Bungie's trajectory from small and scrappy to king of the world to over-the-hill dinosaurs. They accumulated the negative traits of all those stages, so there was, was an immaturity of being young and scrappy, 
the arrogance of being on top of everything, and then there was the stubbornness and inability to change from the dinosaur stage. So uh, right now, you know, the the old school guys that were that saw Halo, that you know, they wanted answers. They wanted to see how this thing could actually develop to the way that it was. Uh, supposed to be <clears throat> well so what gets me in that and in, in, in what you're saying there because this is the first time i'm hearing this from you is grissomer and him asking questions wouldn't you want somebody on your team that questions what's going on to make sure you're doing the right thing to make sure you're going in the right direction why would you get rid of the person that's questioning and throwing out some of the big questions that could possibly either make or break your game and why would you kick them out to me it sounds like that Bungie's trying to hide what they really could do. It sounds like they don't know what they can do and they don't know how to make this work. And so when somebody asks how you're going to make this work, they're going, oh, well, you, you, you go, you go on home. We don't need you here anymore. And, and to me, that sounds like the makings of a bad game, the makings of a terrible developmental staff and the makings of a company that only wants people around them that says, oh, yeah, that's great, that's great, that's perfect, no matter how terrible it is. And in saying that, you can see some of that issues coming out in Destiny 2. And even in Vanilla Destiny 1, you see some of that, too, because it's like you see the hints of greatness of how good this game could be, but then you see, like, why did they do that? You know, it's like, why didn't they think about doing it a little differently? You have those little flavors in there. I mean, the weapon system in Destiny 2 is just baffling when it first came out. It's like, why did you change everything that you just had, like, perfected in Destiny 1 through all the different steps? And to hear the community come to the defense of Destiny 2 at the beginning saying, oh, well, they know what they're doing. They, they're doing great. Well, and two, that you can't, you know, if you're going to start a new game, you have to start from scratch. You know, I'm like, that's the most bogus argument ever. Well, so that's what we're talking. Let's not get too far off track. We're not, uh, I, mean, so I don't know. We're not going to go that deep into Destiny 2, but you got to keep in mind, this is, we're just talking about how this thing is starting to to fall apart here because yeah, well, I'm just trying gotta, to, yeah, just trying to point, I'm just trying to point out the, that environment. I mean, that's well, all we know really the game is yeah. jacked. So, the, but the thing is that, uh, you got to understand. So we don't know how these other guys were forced out or the, at the, it says in the coming years. So this took some time, but the first guy you got to keep in mind, he didn't want to make destiny. So they probably like, this dude is just stirring the pot. Cause he don't want to make another halo shooter. And so he's just, his questions are just to jam us up and you know, you don't know what, what's going on. So that was the first, but the, but the board didn't care, you know. I, I don't I don't know why. Uh, I, you know, nobody knew. So so the point was, um, they had this great big vision, and nobody knew how to get there. And so some people thought, oh, we'll get there. And Grishamer says, I don't think we're going to get there until we can iron these things out. And so Bungie's saying that the the Bungie board of directors is saying, well, we'll quit start, you know calm down, we'll figure it out. And he's saying, no, we need to figure it out now. No, calm down, we'll figure it out. You know, so they're back and forth. And the board of directors finally said, look, we can't spend time trying to satisfy your thought process. We need to focus on this game, whatever the case. I mean, I'm sure they got their reasons there too. But anyway, they invited in February 2003. So remember, it's supposed to, or excuse me, 2013. It was supposed to come out in the fall of 2013. This is February of 2013. They invited a bunch of journalists to the offices and uh, they're in Bellevue, Washington. So there is the official unveiling unveiling of Destiny. And so uh, 
the few details have trickled out in the previous months thanks to early leaks, but this was the big blowout. So everybody's just we're going to show everybody what Destiny actually is, and so everybody took it like today. The DNA is clear. It's a Destiny. Destiny was half Halo, half World of Warcraft, but it was far less clear on how those two halves would fit together. All right. So the gist was this. So this is cool. The gist was this. This is straight out of the book. Destiny took place in a futuristic version of our universe where humans had thrived across multiple planets until an unexploded cataclysm killed most of them. The remaining survivors fled to what was called the Last City, a safe area guarded by uh, enigmatic white orb by an enigmatic white orb called the Traveler. Playing as a mighty galaxy protectors called Guardians, Destiny players would travel across the solar system, fighting aliens, hunting for loot on Earth, Venus, and other planets. And the story, as the longtime Bungie writer Joe Staten, remember him, described it, would unfold over a series of episodes. One lesson, and this is a direct quote from J- Jason Jones, remember the co-founder, he said, one lesson that's critical is that most important stories we, we tell aren't going to be told by us. They're going to be told by the players, their personal legends built from shared adventures. So it sounds kind of like a cop-out, but I, what he's trying to do is their personal lessons and shared adventures in a great big open world. That's So great. That sounds great, but how is it going to happen? So then Staten, the writer, so Staten and Joe were always, or excuse me, Staten uh, and Jones, the co-founder and the, the head writer were always obviously together. They're the ones that played the demo at E3, which I'm going to get into. But Staten then described a scenario in which two guardians would fly together to Mars to investigate a buried city. En route, a group of hulking cabal aliens would ambush the pair. A third pl- player-controlled guardian who happened to be in the area would fly in and annihilate the cabal and then signal to the group that she wanted to help out their investigation. Every time you run into another player, it's amazing, Staten told journalists in attendance. It doesn't happen in other shooters. Uh, end quote. In that instant, a third player would be able to join the party for a dungeon crawl through the catacombs of Mars. It wasn't clear just what Destiny's personal legends, quote, would look like. Staten illustrated the story with concept art and videos rather than actual footage of the game, but in theory, they sounded wild. Plus, this was the company behind Halo, so everybody trusted what they were doing. So anybody says, dude, we don't really don't understand what you're, how you're going to get there, but what you're telling us is, you know, it sounds cool, right? It sounds so, really awesome. Yeah, it sounds really cool. We hope you can do it. We know that you're Bungie, so uh, go for it, all right? So here comes the hype train. So this is why everybody, oh, they built up this hype so bad, and they just failed it, right? So this hype train comes out, and at the end of the day, the weight of all that ambition that they were trying to do was crushing Bungie. Uh, so, and, and Grishmer's questions were still not answered. There's you know several pages here that I'm skipping, but that's, that's the gist of it. All right. That demo that Staten and Jones played at E3 when they were going through old Russia. Mm-hmm. That, everybody's like, that's cool. That was the only, that was like one of the only finished parts of the game at that time. Nothing else was oh, even wow. done. <laughs> and so there was, no, so remember, they got 300 people they're trying to, to, to wrangle up. And they're used to working with 50 to 100, right? And everybody thinks it's going to be something different because there's no clear vision. That's essentially what it boils down to. Um, and um, let's see. So everybody's kind of built something. They thought it was they thought it was going to be this. They thought it was going to be that. So that's one problem. The second problem was we see that um, the uh, we see that uh, we we all know that the the what was it called the the program the the engine that they were working with mm. was problematic. That's true. It was slow to correct times. It wasn't like ridiculous. I mean, it's something that should take a minute. Would take ten minutes. So I guess ten times as long to make a change, right? And so. 
when you're having people develop whatever they want and with no clear vision, there's going to be a lot of the changes, right? That's so that's a, so it's just crazy. All right. And so now here we go. Activision, interactivision. This was the third problem. They got to play the first playable build. And this is straight out of the book. This was a, this is just a person who worked for Activision, no name given. It was the biggest gamble Activision had ever made, right? With their 500 million yeah, that they've ever gamble. made. Right. And so there's always some tension between a publisher and a developer, of course, creative people and money people, you know, obviously. All right. But the stakes were enormous, as the book said, for Destiny. So it's the biggest gamble Activision has ever made, which is why some of the publisher's executives had gotten jittery when Bungie's first playable build turned out to be subpar. So this is a quote from the from the person from Activision. They delivered a level that was playable, but not to the standard we talked about. It was repetitive and not very fun. So again, like, dude, we hear you. We hear what you're saying, but it's not really if uh, we don't see it happening. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if that's the early build, I mean, Bungie definitely covered the repetitiveness because, I mean, we, we just all see how repetitive Bungie, you know, Destiny has been. So, yeah, they definitely so, have repetitive, uh, they just repetitive nailed down. <laughs> yeah. And so, again, here comes the veteran composer, Martin, Marty O'Donnell, that we all know so much. He also does the voice recordings. He's not just the composer. He composed all the music for Halo and all that. But he also does the voice recordings. So, obviously, he needs to kind of know the story Mm-hmm. Uh, to do good music and kind of get the well, fire exactly. for the story. It helps him, right? So here's here's where the finger pointing starts. So Marty needed an outline of the story to create his music. So he met with Joe, the head writer, and explained, like, dude, I'm kind of still in the dark here. And this is late into development. This is like mid-2013, right? It's like, I'm kind of still in the dark here about, you know, what the story is, what's going on. And, and Joe says, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm frustrated with it too because every time he pitches something to Jason – he that the co the co founder that's going to sign off on everything, Jason Jones. He he doesn't really give me the green light to go with that part or not. And he's kind of he's kind of contradicting himself. He's saying yeah, let's do that, but then later he's saying no. Why would he, why did we do that and so on? So Jones didn't have a clear vision. It seems seems to be that's kind of he could have fixed it. He could have fixed it all. And we're even going to get further into it, which you're going to see. So the summer of 2013. They did get it pushed back to 2014, the beginning of 2014 at this point. But there's an email going around that everybody was up in arms over the supercut that Staten finally released. So the supercut is a two-hour internal video that's meant to convey Destiny's entire story. So here goes this, what happened to the story. The story was released and nobody understood what was going on. The people, were, Some people were kind of, I kind of get it or whatever. So... You ready to hear what the story was? Yes, I want to hear the story. <laughs> so this is just the gist of it. It's only one paragraph, but it's still kind of cool. So here's the supercut version of Destiny's story. The player's main goal was to hunt down an artificial intelligent war machine named Rasputin. We've heard him before, right? Oh, yeah. Who has been kidnapped by the swarming undead alien hive. On the journey, the player would head to Earth, Venus, Mars, the Moon, Saturn in a mystical temple on Mercury where an Obi-Wan Kenobi-like wizard named Osiris would offer advice 
and words of wisdom. Along the way, the player would befriend and team up with characters like the Crow, a suave alien with pale blue skin and slick hair. Right? And so that's all it is. I wish it would have gotten more depth, but it's still, you kind of get where we're, we're going here. There's plenty more planets. Saturn, we have, uh, the moon was later. And that's what everybody says that played the Alpha, that we went to the moon like last. Right? Uh, so that's kind of the story that they had. And um, the crow, which we always, we've talked about before. So we were correct on that. So Marty's quoted as saying, Joe's vision probably made tons of sense in his own mind. And Joe was just thinking, come on, everybody. We've all got to go in the same direction. We've got to start now. Here it is. It isn't perfect, but we can fix it. Instead, it backfired completely. Just about everybody in the studio thought, oh, my gosh, this is a train wreck. That's, that's a quote from Marty. I mean, it, it sounds like a train wreck. I mean, hearing that, it's like, okay, you've got this great kind of idea, but where are you going? You know, we got to have vision from our leader, and it sounds like he didn't give a clear vision and a clear right. start and finish. Because I mean, you've got to give that start and finish. You, you can be, if you have a start and finish, you can make up everything in the middle. But there was no really start and finish there. I mean, it's just, it's like we're just going to have this great adventure, and you're going to go all these planets, and yeah. you're going to meet the crow. You know, and it's like, okay, well, what does all that mean? So he put together the supercut. So this is just the opinion of the author here. So that he put, he thought that he probably put together the supercut to force the studio's hand and make them say, all right, we need to get on with this story because he's not getting any clear guidance, right? Mm-hmm. That's what I would say. And But most people did not think that. And so few people at Bungie anticipated what would happen next. Shortly after the supercut circulated, Jason Jones gave the studio a new edict. They needed to reboot the story, and it was time to start over. Activision is not even in this, but you know, this is all going on at Bungie. All right, just just wow. By the way, this is all going on at Bungie. So everybody, Joe Staten, Marty O'Donnell, and other people says, "No, let's go with the supercut." Let's just do it. We have no choice. We can't redo a story this late into development. And Joe says, I mean, uh, Jones, Jason Jones says, nope, we're going to redo it. So he put together uh, a little group called the um, Iron Bar, which was designers and producers. It's not even writers to develop this Frankenstein. It's literally, and there's a whole bunch of stuff about the story, and, and, and they go into detail of it, but essentially... One guy literally describes it in the book as piecing together a Frankenstein story, which we can see. They took out yep. Saturn. They took out Mercury. They took out all the different stories and missions that didn't make sense with whatever with, with whatever story that they you know, came up with, right? Mm-hmm. So um, they had to re-record lines. Marty did with talent, and nobody wanted to be there. Dinklebot signed on for just a, you know, for whatever, just a little bit. And he had to do, uh, so... Uh, let me let me find where it says it. Joe walks so getting uh, so in September September 20, 2004. This uh, they don't push it again until September 20, uh, 2014. So they persuaded Activision to let them push it to September 2014, which is we know that's when it came out. He said, but the process hadn't gotten any more efficient. So uh, Marty's talking about having to re-record everything. He said, I wouldn't have a script until just before walking into a session. So I didn't even know what it was, said O'Donnell. Instead of having 300 lines of dialogue to do in four hours, I was given 1,000. I'm like, okay, this is just going to be like reading in the phone book. This is bad, but I'll get it done. I could sound, 
it could sound like I was sabotaging, but I wasn't. I really was trying to make everything as good as I possibly could. But my spidey sense was telling me this wasn't good. The story wasn't there. The characters wasn't there. So, and then it says, combine an overworked actor with a disgruntled audio director, and you had a formula for atrocity performance, particularly when Destiny's dialogue, including lines like, the sword is close. I can feel its power. Careful. The power, its power is dark. <laughs> so, I mean, but it's, but that's why Dinklebot was so monotonous because it, exactly. he's tired. He's sick of doing it. Yeah. It's, it like, makes perfect sense why a lot of these lines are that. I mean, yeah, the, 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 fam- the famous, I have no time to explain why I have no time to explain. I yep. mean, that's that, in here. that actually could have been a good line if it was delivered the right way. But if you're having to do a thousand lines in that four hours when you're used to doing just a handful in that same time i mean it's crazy i mean why why did bungie try to push it like that this doesn't make any sense you know it's like why did you not listen to your people around you i mean come on when your spidey sense tingles listen to it i mean everybody gets those goosebump feelings good and bad when something's either good or bad and you you get that sixth sense of knowing that something's not right and why wasn't it pushed up and saying, this isn't right, we need to stop, or something? It was. It tried to be. It's like Jones kept shooting it down. I think it's just poor leadership on his part because he's used to leading a, a small mm-hmm. group. And now he's – he's he's and it, the, the whole company says it feels like he was throwing a Hail Mary, you know. So uh, it's literally what he was doing because he had to just put this all together. When you tried to redo the story, I think that was a bit – and all the guys, the old school guys, Staten um, and O'Donnell, they're all telling him, dude, you – we need to just press with this. And he's like, nope, nope, I'm redoing it. And so he just, it's in the book where it says it's like a story that's written by designers and producers. That's what kind of story you got. And so um, Activision, but most producers do this too, by the way. This is if you if you release a game, if it gets about a 90 or above, they'll give you a bonus. Uh, Destiny was, would have got a $2.5 million bonus It's public knowledge had leaked in 2012 if Destiny got above a 90, the Metacritic score, and it got a 77. So no, nowhere in there. So uh, let's see. So all those sci-fi, you know, the uh, Grimoire cars and stuff, that's all That's all old school Joe Statton stuff for the most part. Mm-hmm. They, they used that. They wrote the Grimoire cars with all that. Um, and I was going to get into a part here. So then they tried to fix some problems by rebooting their plans, downloadable contact pack, the dark below and House of Wolves remaking missions and stripping out all of Dinklage's lines they've already recorded. Um, they brought in Josh Mascara. What he was the uh, he was the director of Diablo 3, Reaper of Souls when Diablo 3 came out and had all that heartache for the first year and then turned into a good game to give a pep rally talk to Punchy to say because uh, the bunch published Activision published both of those games. And so they they got him over. This is all right. Hey, we're going to correct it. Correct this. You need to talk to them how they how they're going to correct it. And they they loved the talk. They they thought it was great. Um, and I'm trying to get to where they brought in Luke Smith and all that. Okay, uh, the Taken King director Luke Smith uh, came in. So that was supposed to be the comet comet expansion. All right. So that's the gist of it, guys. I mean, uh, you see that it's not Activision that was forcing them to do this. They just poor leadership is my opinion on it they got too big and the guy didn't know how to handle that and then and it got too ambitious and um and when you you know silver has strings as they say right and you got somebody invested 500 million you better come out with a good product oh yeah and so active so 
stuff that we don't know. Okay, this that's really so. The only other thing I can say is that you know that they were trying to release Destiny Two, it had to be delayed, but to make Activision happy, they released the expansion Iron Banner. That that's you know they said that's cool, we'll do that. Um, and then so things we don't know. What you mean happened? The, you mean like the Dark Below and um. You said Iron Banner expansion. Yes, Iron Banner after uh, Taken King and all that. That was supposed to be the last expansion. Oh, Iron Lords. Destiny 2. Iron Lords. Oh, Iron Lords. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. Iron Banner is just a play mode, not a... Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So it's the Iron Lords or whatever. House of Wolves. Yeah, because you had like Dark Below, House of Wolves. Then you had oh, uh, Taken King. And then you had um, the Iron Lords. And then, you, of course, you had some other like holiday event stuff thrown in there and some kind of quasi DLC. It wasn't really named and big. It just brought updates to the game, but those were the major pieces of that game. Yeah. And so, um, you know, yeah. So, uh, so they brought in the new, you know, the new guy or whatever to do do the voice instead of, uh, and even instead of, uh, yeah. And then it talks about how, um, you know, people still miss the old Dinklebot, you know, yep. But, so that's what happened there. And so the thing is, though, what it doesn't talk about is what happened with Destiny 2. Like you were saying, why did it go back? Why did it go back in time? You fixed it with it, that, that. That is not answered. And that's what I do not understand. You fixed it with the Taken King. Everything was great, but then it went backwards. And it's probably just because they had some, they split the team in half and had some people working on Destiny 2, had some people working on Iron Banner. And they did. They they learned from their last mistake of you know, we're not going to try to force this thing last minute, uh, and make it just crazy with a story or whatever the case. And they're probably just scared to redo anything. I don't know, but you know that that cost them the whole series, right? Yeah. So it's uh that, and then obviously the 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 way that they did all these microtransactions and all that. It's just. Activision probably or Bungie or somebody they, this is our last ditch effort to try to get some money out of this investment that we've put mm-hmm. money into you know because we're letting this thing go after this this is a you know dead weight for us and that's well, what I mean, happened I mean if you look when you look at Eververse they tr- definitely try to do the same format as what Fortnite did you know let's throw all these emotes in here throw this in here and try to generate revenue somehow because Activision does want to make some money back from this and right now they haven't made much money back although there is a lot of money in Destiny uh, well in Bungie because I mean look at all of the toys that have been bought look at all of the that all belongs to Bungie yeah it's all Bungie though it's all Bungie money it's not Activision money you know so it, uh, it, it's it's kind of in that position of you know Bungie's been making a good bit of money but it hasn't been going to Activision and so Activision is kind of angry and they kind of would you know kind of push some stuff on them and so I kind of get that feeling from Activision that they were kind of put in a hole because of the way that Bungie actually pushed this game out I mean, look at the force of the developmental cycle that they forced on themselves because they basically screwed up the storyline to begin with. You know, they had this great two-hour storyline that they presented to the team, and after they presented it to the team, they decided to scrap it. You know, it's just like, why do that? You know, it's like, it, it's crazy. And no, no wonder there was so much pressure on them. They, they, they put the pressure on themselves to try to do something that they couldn't do. This is crazy, you know? And, and from the stories that I've heard about 
the reason why Destiny 2 was the way it was is that they started developing it like right around the Taken King time because they'd started developing it about a year out from when they released Bunge, uh, yes. Destiny, which would be around the Taken King time. And so that's why they said it's that still so many things. practice, though, for yeah, games, for them to it, break up their development team to start the next Exactly. Series. But the kicker on that is, is when your game is developing and changing throughout, why couldn't you add some of those things into what you're developing because you can develop a base level you can develop levels graphics stories and all of that and you can add mechanics in and especially like adding the mechanics of how your guns are i mean they went to a totally different gun system you know it's like why do that you changed everything that was great about your game and threw it out the window i mean look at them they've already gone back to the, to their gun to the to, they've already gone back to the basis of what their gun system was in d1 now granted it's it's a bastardized system between what d1 year 3 was and d2 year 1 was it's kind of a blend between the two, but it's a lot better than what just year one D2 was. And it's not quite as great as what year three D1 was. It's kind of just right there in between the two of them. It's just little things like that. It's like, why did you do that to yourselves? Why did you shoot yourselves in the foot? Especially when you saw that the developmental cycle didn't work for you the way you did it in D1 and it was too much stress and strain, why put yourself right back in that same hole? Because that's what they did. They, in essence, they put themselves right back in that same hole and they're complaining about their developmental cycle when it sounds like it's self-imposed. I mean, yeah, it's bad get, self-imposed. Get, get off yourself and get off what, you, what you're trying to do and actually make a game, you know, get out of your own way because it sounded like uh, the the head guy just had no clue of how to direct a team that size. And that's sometimes, I mean, when you have, uh, I forgot the guy that was asking questions. So I forgot his name. I'm sorry. I'm terrible with names. Well, the We're guy that good. was always, always asking the oh, questions yeah. that got thrown out, that would have been a great guy to have as your second in the command because he's the one that can buffer out. Why are we doing this? Why are we going that way? And they got rid of probably one of the best possible people to help quality control this. Yeah, it's Jamie Greshamer. So, but like you know, Staten. If they just think about this, they had all this big plan. Oh, it's going to be um, MMO meets you know shooter. You know, so it's independent storylines versus a big adventure. Okay, all this grand plans, right? If they would have just stuck with Staten's story and uh, and built it on that, and the story was cohesive and it made sense and it was deep. You could have forgiven the big dreams at first. Hey, it's, we're still trying to develop it into the, the great, great game that we want it to be. But hopefully you guys will enjoy what we got so far, you know, essentially. And uh, that would work. But when you come up with this story that's just not non-existent, I mean. I'm sorry, but you got to have a good story to have a good game. And... Putting that story together at the last minute shot them, shot themselves in the foot, and knowing now that it really was Bungie that did it to themselves, just changes the whole concept and the whole thought pattern of, oh great, you know, Activision is no longer over Bungie on this game. You know, it goes from being like, oh great, we might finally have a great game to, oh god, we might actually have the terrible game that had that's been sh- that was shown to us through some of the development here. It, it, it's just that complete it, it, with this news it's a complete 180 yeah I mean oh man 
I wish it could have been something else, dude. So bad. It's I just, so bad. it's just so much frustrating. It's just it's so frustrating now hearing hearing all this and hearing the actual people that were involved with the game saying these things, not just you know higher YouTubers. ups at Bungie and <laughs> exactly YouTubers and the higher ups at Bungie and Activision. Of course, they're gonna say, "Oh, everything's great and good," because they don't want the image of things going, you know, belly up to come out. Maybe Bungie's not going to do so well on their own. Well, yeah. They, first of all, they don't have the money to keep producing it. So, and developers have their own money. But, uh, you know, they're going to be able to sustain something this massive. I, I don't know. Unless they pick up another producer, which probably not going to happen because it's not the producer's fault. It was, uh, you know... Well, I mean, like you said, everybody passed up on it except for Activision. So there, there's a sign yeah. right there if they're gonna if they're gonna be able to easily get another producer or not. I mean, yeah. So they couldn't get it to begin with. Now they've proven to wreck Activision. So <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be interesting. I mean, it's just uh, it all boils down to the. I mean, from my personal opinion, it boils down to the to the leadership there, and just they made a bad choice. And it's probably just you know Jason's. Uh, Jones is, uh, you know, it's his company. It's his baby. He wants it to be good. I get it. He's a co-founder. He did a super big deal. Um, is he still involved with the company? He's got to be, yeah. I mean, half those people aren't there anymore because, yeah. I mean, we always said that, but this book confirmed that most people had left. But, um, you know, he uh, he wanted it to do good, and then he's got a lot of pressure now for this, so he just probably panicked and tried to redo some story and hope it we can fix it later, which he didn't even try to fix it later. Um, you know, in terms of the story, he did the, and, and they wanted it to be alongside, They and they are quoted as saying, we want this game to be alongside with the Lord of the Rings universe, the Star Wars universe. And then somebody joking says, it don't even match the Twilight universe, you know, but it's, uh, it is true. It could have easily been one of those easily, mm-hmm. but uh, you got to have a story. It's not going to be now. And that's, what's the hardest part about it. So they just bit off more than they can chew, yeah. and then it came back to get him. Yeah, I mean, it still says that he's still the chief creative officer of Bungie. Yeah. So, oh yeah, he definitely is because they they're building with the investment from the Netties from from the Chinese, uh, the Chinese company Netties. They were working with them to try to you know develop other stuff, and that's a recent development because it was like what a million dollar contract they signed with them or something like that. Yeah, Might it's more than that. I think. I think, I think <laughs> I think it was probably bigger than that, but I mean, it, it, it's crazy because I mean I'm just scanning through this r- article real quick, and it's uh you know Marty O'Donnell believing it was not feasible and almost impossible to complete the game. I mean, it just it, it yep. shows all that. You got Luke Smith coming in here, uh, you know, but you know, if Jason Jones is still the CCO, the chief creative officer of Bungie, then. I mean, we honestly could look to seeing more of these issues coming up because unless he did this 180 in his leadership style, I mean, this type of sporadic, okay, this isn't working, changes are going to happen. And we're going to see that. I mean, we did see that in Destiny 2. So, I mean, the future for Destiny 2 doesn't look as bright as what it did when the announcement of of the Bungie and Activision split. Well, we'll see. I mean, he's he can learn. He might have more, you know, uh, 
experience developing a game like this than anybody else in history. So he may have learned from his mistake. So in Destiny 3, if it does come out, let's just say they do get some funding somehow or they can just fund it themselves and it comes out, um, I'm not going to be so adamant to not just uh, to play it. Obviously, it still has the standard stuff to where it looks like it's going to be a bad business model like we talked about on your on your uh, Fireside Chat, then it's a no. But I'll be, I'm definitely more open to seeing what it's going to be just because I know that it's a struggling studio now. And you do got a chief, you know, that has been through this before and hopefully he figured out how to streamline it. You know, maybe not, but it's, it's valid either way. He figured out how to streamline it or hey, he's proven he can't do it. Exactly. You know, so we don't know. And sometimes when you back people into a corner, they do their best work. So cool. That's all I got, man. That's all I got too, guys. Um, I want to say thanks for listening to this. I know this talk is probably a little deeper and a little more, you know, centered around company talking instead of video games. But I really hope you enjoyed this and hope that you listen to the issues that we've found that are going on. Hope you really enjoyed that. Um, I know I enjoyed talking about it and hear about it. It was really good to hear that because now it gives me a better insight of what's actually been happening versus just what we hear on the surface because we all know social media is fluff. You know, <laughs> it really is. It's there to oh, yeah. it's, it's there more to either let you be a key, key a keyboard cowboy or to let you just have this happy life. So we, we know that it that it that it's fluff mostly. So you know, guys, just take this in. Let us know your thoughts if you got some thoughts on what you've heard today with this podcast. Um, it, it's something that definitely is on me and Hollywood's mind because you know we're definitely fighting for developers and producers to give us the best games possible. And this definitely, we feel like this definitely is one of those issues that we wanted to bring forward and let you hear. So, guys, thank you for listening. Hollywood, anything else? No. All right. Go, man. All right. Take care, guys. Later.